Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. This is the podcast that teaches compassionate communication, provides perspective, and inspires resilience. I am your host, Marcus Engel. My hostess with the mostess is the hotness, Marveline Engel. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and uh, we are excited to be with you this episode because this is a very special episode. Uh, anniversary. This week has been a very special anniversary, uh, a week of a very special anniversary, and it's one that many of you have heard about previously. So it was 11 years ago this week that I was reintroduced to Jennifer. Jennifer. To Jennifer, yes. And if you've ever heard me tell the story of my trauma and all that, you might remember the story of Jennifer, but let me give you the recap just in case you don't know. When I was 18 years old and I was hauled into the emergency room at Barnes Hospital in St. Louis, there was someone who held my hand that entire first night, who was there with me uh, in my CAT scans and x-rays and MRIs, uh, all of the tests that they had to do to try to figure out just how extensive the damage had been done. And that individual, really all I remember her saying to me throughout that whole first night is, Marcus, my name is Jennifer. You were in a car accident and you're in the hospital. And then Jennifer would say over and over the two most compassionate words that I think most people can, most people can even think of. And those words are, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. So if you recognize the, the I'm here movement, if you recognize the title of my book, I'm here, compassionate communication and patient care, uh, that all stems from the story of that very first night in the emergency room and how important simple human presence is in a person's suffering. Having another person there to witness their suffering, uh, be moved by that suffering, and then having a desire to ease that suffering. That is what compassion is. That is what my work has been about for the last 25 years. And you told the story of Jennifer for decades. Yeah. And one of the things that was always kind of interesting in the family, we're going to give you some behind the scenes information today, is no one in your family remembered a Jennifer, which is understandable. They were in trauma too, and they weren't allowed to be with you. Right. Initially, right. but Jennifer was. She held your hand, she gave you the most comforting words possible. And then after that, when you began to be able to communicate, you asked about her and no one knew who she was. Nobody knew who she was, right? My parents didn't remember anybody from, uh, from the ER. They spoke with doctors. Um, they spoke with, I think, the director of the emergency department that night. Uh, but they did not know who Jennifer was. And so that led to the question that I'm telling this story, this incredibly important story about those two most compassionate words um, all around the country. But for some reason, I had it in my mind that Jennifer 
was a volunteer. And I don't know why I had that in my mind, but I, I, I just thought she was a volunteer. But uh, the family occasionally thought she was a hallucination. Right. I mean, and, or an and, angel. Right. Or... I, my family has asked that question, you know, well, was she real? Because I was on a lot of narcotics. I was on so many narcotics at, at that point in time, uh, in and out of consciousness, all types of things. But I, I definitely remember her there and her holding my right hand throughout that, throughout that night. Um, I knew she was real. You knew she was real. And, you know, I've been able to witness this story so many times because I get to go with you sometimes and hear you speak a lot. And um, we're in the process of editing a couple of books where you talk about Jennifer. And it it's still to this day, the story of Jennifer gets me, how just gets to me, how someone was so compassionate, quick thinking, patient and present that they would stand and just do nothing but hold your hand and whisper to you in a comforting manner because they really couldn't hardly even touch you. Right. Your hand was about the only thing that wasn't excruciating to, um, to contact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when my body had been basically pulverized, uh, her holding on to my right hand was really the only thing that didn't completely hurt me. But every time I, I came back into consciousness, she was there and she would again tell me her name and she'd say those uh, same words, I'm and, here. And uh, you know, the story is just amazingly powerful. But 11 years ago, something happened that changed yeah, the story. Yeah, 11 years ago was the reintroduction to Jennifer. So let me put this in context for you a little bit. Um, a dozen years ago, I was studying at Columbia University in the Master's in Narrative Medicine pra uh, Plan. Nastra ah, let me say that one more time. <laughs> You'll get it, baby. I'll get it. I'll get it. Yeah. I do have a college degree or two. Um, the, the Narrative Medicine Master's Degree Program at Columbia University in the city of New York. Uh, I, had just, uh, I had just gotten out of that program. I had finished up. Um, I had finished up my, my work. I was speaking around the country. I was continuing to speak at, at hospitals and nursing schools and nursing conferences and medical, uh, medical conventions, just all kinds of places. And that's when I got the invitation of a lifetime, which was to go back to the very same hospital that saved my life and to be able to tell these these uh, now employees of that same facility 20 years later about my patient experience and hopefully to uh, inspire them to stay in the game, stay in their position. And we were so excited to get to go back we to Barnes. We were Barnes so Steelers. excited we to go to Barnes. We were so excited. Yeah. I do remember they had a, a very large auditorium, a beautiful mm -hmm. large auditorium. And they still, you had to speak, was it five times a day? It was, uh, yeah, some days, five, I think all days it was five times a day. And uh, there were five days involved. So, yeah, it was 25 speeches. Just over so they could rotate the staff. The staff through, through yeah. And um, I remember by day two, 
we were all exhausted. <laughs> right. After a day of speaking five times uh, over probably a, maybe a eight or ten hour eight or ten hour time span. And yeah. you had more days to go. And then you have four more days to go. But because you know you're very well received there. Obviously, that's your that's your homies, right? Mm -hmm. They they're the ones who saved you. Um, you it, you were so well received. Word kept growing throughout the hospital, and every audience got bigger and bigger and more excited. Mm -hmm. um, so you're a little tired, but I was a little they're tired. Pumped her. They're tired, but they're excited, and so. So here we are, pumpkin. <laughs> pumpkin. Uh, sounds like a vegetable, a pumpkin. Uh, okay. <laughs> but ain't Chang. So, uh, the, so yeah. So here we are, day two, and I I just get done with delivering my my first or second keynote of the day, and the director of the patient experience department walked up to me, and I just gotten off stage and she said something that's impossible for me to ever forget. She said, Marcus, we've got a surprise for you. We found Jennifer. And it was the first time in 20 years that I got to hold her hands again and I got to tell her thank you. And of course, you can imagine there were some tears. There were a lot of tears. And I was, um, I still feel speechless when I think about that moment. I've learned to condense the story down to be told from the stage. But um, when, I, when I think about the, the subtleties of that moment, it was quite spiritual uh, to be able to hold the hands again of somebody that she may have not physically saved my life, but she certainly saved my sanity that first night in the ED. She certainly saved my sanity whenever I would wake up uh, to a world of darkness and just absolute sheer pain from head to toe. Uh, there was Jennifer holding my hand saying, I'm here that moment was unforgettable and and the client came to me right at the end of your speech and whispered hey we think we found jennifer i don't know why i'm whispering hey we think we found jennifer do you think mark would want to meet her and i just said absolutely and she got to go down while you were speaking i couldn't move i was up in the rafters somewhere and um as soon as they dismissed everyone. I'm like booking it down there so I can be there to when this moment happens. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was sacred in yeah. all, that's the best word I know. It was sacred. And there were clients and different people uh, on the team around still, and they're all crying. There's Kleenex everywhere. And, um, we're watching this encounter going, I can't believe this is happening. We had spent time looking for Jennifer, even trying to go through your medical records till we realized they were bankers boxes full of medical records. Yeah. Um, and there she was. There she was. There she was.
what do you what do you say besides thank you in in that situation words fail right maybe hugs um are are more important and that was right about the time then that um that you started filming that you as quick as i could get down could. there i started turning it was an old iphone but yeah. as quick as i could i turned it on and um it's so priceless we st still go back and watch it rarely it is on our website mm -hmm. we do rarely go back and watch it rarely well it's just so it emotional rarely. yeah it's so powerful that you know you almost have to take it in doses um the fact that it still makes me weep is uh is crazy and i know it's emotional for you to even watch um because Jennifer told her end of the story, which was powerful. You learned things you didn't know before. And we got to see another behind the scenes. So you've got yours, you've got me, you've got your mom, and then you've got Jennifer's side um, of the experience, which by itself is hugely powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, because as I learned, she was a... 20 year old patient care tech um, who was working in the emergency room that night and working midnights as she said and overnights and it was a saturday night so you know you're probably going to get the craziest stuff on the weekends and um, that's just who jennifer is you know jump in with both feet and um, who she is. yeah yeah and so i uh, i just couldn't wait to hear things from her side. And she said uh, that she remembers when they rolled me in. She said she remembers the paramedic that rolled me in. Uh, she remembers that uh, I was at a hockey game, that I was with friends, that I was had stayed over after the hockey game to get autographs from players. Uh, she knew some things that I didn't know, one of which was that I was found half in the street, half on the sidewalk, um, which I, I have no earthly memory of how I got there, but um, it makes a lot of sense because I remember that the paramedic who saved my life said he thought I was actually a pedestrian who had been on the sidewalk and that the car had landed on me. That was just how weird the physics were of the crash. So back to the moment where I'm with Jennifer, I'm learning these things and she's telling me how she just stayed with me the whole time and just kept saying those words. She said after 20 years, um, 20 years of, of working in healthcare, I was the only patient whose name she still recalled. And when I heard that, it hit me in the heart, as you can, can imagine, um, because I, her name was still recalled as uh, one of the only supportive and, and comforting memories through that, that, that major trauma. And, you know, we're of course gonna attach the link to the video so you can watch this yeah. from Jennifer's standpoint. And we've, been able to stay friends and stay in touch mm -hmm. with Jennifer, which is such a gift. But 
You know, the truth is she was 20 and she was a patient care tech. Oh. And as often in the hierarchy of hospitals, that's pretty low on the totem pole oh. typically. Good nurses, good leaders appreciate the work their PCTs do. But we, we don't always feel like we have an important job and that we can do something valuable. Right, as a patient care tech, you don't have the ability to push meds. You don't have the ability to do surgery. Um, you know, you don't have the ability to prescribe. You, you, you really um, can help wipe up blood and you can hold patients' hands. You know, that's, that's about what you can do and help patients uh, get cleaned up and such like that. So it's, it's what Jennifer did that night was something that only a person could have done if they were truly present in that moment. And she was, and I am so fortunate. Gosh, when I watch that video again, uh, again or, um, you know, from time to time, I just sit there thinking, I am so lucky. I am just so lucky that in that first horrible night, I had somebody with me who understood uh, what was going on and responded appropriately. Yeah. That's, it's so weird. It probably freaks some people out when you say you're lucky, oh. but you are lucky. I am lucky. And I'm That's... sure lucky. Mm. Likewise. But, you know, whenever we walk into work, whatever, if we're in healthcare, even if we are in a different field, we don't know what we're going to encounter that day. But healthcare especially doesn't know what they're going to encounter. Right. But being on the ball and making the choice to stay present, to have compassion, to be thinking about that person. And even if you're being busy doing the surgeries, doing those things, you still have that opportunity to be present. And even if you're not in a position that respects your skills, compassion works in Every any field time. at any time. Being present, paying attention to who's around you, to what's going on, and you have something to offer. You have something that can be life-changing for someone else. We all have that, right? Exactly. We all have that. Um, because even if Jennifer hadn't been working in the emergency department, I imagine if she would have come across that, uh, that scene of that accident, she would have also been that compassionate presence in the moment. I think that she would have too. And making the choice just to stay present. And, you know, another thing that this reminds me of is not all healthcare professionals get patients that come back and say thank you. Mm. We were able to do this because of your unique position as a speaker to even find her. Yeah. But she had gone 20 years and never known Mark was telling this story, writing books about her, um, and passing along this message of presence and I'm here. And she, she never knew that for decades. And I just want to remind you and encourage you that there are people who have appreciated an encounter with you, 
whether casually or, you know, of a significance that we'll never be able to tell you thank you for a variety of reasons. It doesn't mean it didn't make a difference. It doesn't mean it wasn't life-changing for someone. When you show up every day and you choose compassion, you are blessing, touching, helping someone's life, even when you don't get the gratitude you deserve. Yeah, and maybe even whenever you don't realize the, the the enormous impact that you may have on someone who is potentially going through the worst day of their life uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're laid up in a hospital bed like I was but you have no idea that uh, those that you encounter along the way may not be having one of the worst days of their lives and if you can respond in a compassionate manner to those individuals at those points of suffering, you're, you're potentially changing someone's life just like Jennifer changed mine. Absolutely. And you can do that. You do that. Thank you from us for all the people who can't say thank you. Yeah. Please know you're appreciated. And in turn, go around and tell somebody else thank you for something they've done for you who's ever encouraged you along the way, that grandma that prayed for you, whoever it is that spoke into your life and said, you can do something, you are worthy of this. And we do have a podcast where you interview Jenny. Jennifer was episode 100 on the Compassion and Courage podcast. And if you wanna hear some more of the story and she and I go into some details, uh, please feel free to check that out. It's episode 100, and we, we wanted to have a 100th episode that was very special, and we did it. You did it. We did it. And then if you want to watch the short clip that I filmed when they first met, marcusingle.com and follow the links, and you'll find Marcus Meets Jenny. Yeah, and just try to make it through it without crying. I challenge you. Well, I can't do it. You don't need to challenge. It. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> Well, thank you for being there to film that day and, and capture that moment for everyone. And thank you, listeners, viewers, for continuing to tune in to Compassion and Courage, Conversations in Healthcare. Uh, I'm Marcus Engel, and this is the podcast that teaches compassionate communication, provides perspective, and inspires resilience. Thank you for being with me. Oh, it's a joy, and uh, thank you guys. We really do appreciate your support. Be sure you're subscribing and sharing, because, yep. you know, that's what we have to do, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> how it goes, right? Subscribe, share, rate, review, comments, all those things help get the social media, uh, get the social media presence uh, out there. And also, please visit MarcusEngel.com for your keynote speaking needs, compassion consulting, and books like I'm here. All right, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of Compassion and Courage.